Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Wednesday morning, the 5th of July. Good morning. With much debate and discussion from now till 11am, this is Michael Reed on LMFM. A week ago, none of us knew what a barter account was a week on, and we know it's a slush fund. And just as we come to terms with how RTE had a slush fund to spend on entertainment and all the problems we have with how RTE has been using public money, we wake up to realise that RTE has has discovered it has another slush fund and yet another slush fund. Yes, three barter accounts in total. RT also plays a central role in the most intense and important phrases of our democracy by providing impartial coverage and a neutral platform during election and referendum campaigns. But all of this rests on trust. Trust not only between a broadcaster and its audience, but between a national institution and the people of the country. The revelations of the past number of days have been an absolute betrayal of that trust. They have threatened to undermine the principles of public service broadcasting itself, which are after all, based fundamentally on revealing the truth. Well, there may be more truths today at the Media Committee. That was uh, the Minister for Media, Catherine Martin, speaking in uh, the Dáil yesterday. Let's speak to Gavin Riley, political correspondent with Virgin Media News and columnist with the Mead Chronicle. A very good morning to you, Gavin, and thank you indeed for joining us uh, this morning. This is going to be another very interesting and I'm sure very long meeting between uh, the Iraq committee and RTA executives today. Yeah, it nearly sort of feels like in a way that the last meeting never stopped because there's been so much uh, ongoing back and forth about who's going to be attending in future and what documents are being sought and, and yesterday evening the developments that we heard were, were a follow-on to the documents that had been sought by the media committee which RTE began to start handing over and included in that were this, this bombshell disclosure that in fact there was not just one barter account, there were three. And actually if you just peel it back a little bit the idea that there would be three barter accounts for an organisation of RTE size is actually not all that uh, surprising, if you think about it, because an organisation like RTE would be so heavily involved in the advertising business. You know, they've got two TV channels and four nationwide radio stations and a whole heap of, of other, you know, RTE guide and online advertising realms. It, it, it's entirely understandable that you would deal with multiple agencies and that then you'd, therefore you'd have barter accounts with each of them. What is remarkable is the fact that the Chief Financial Officer, Richard Collins, was specifically asked this 
at the Public Accounts Committee last Thursday. He was asked by the committee's vice chair, Catherine Murphy, yeah, can we have a, a list of barter accounts? He said, no, no, there is no list. There is only one. And the fact that the chief financial officer, who was on €200,000 a year, wasn't aware or seems to, to be mistakenly uh, briefed that there was one account when, in fact, there were three, that, that's a major issue because either there was a deliberate attempt to conceal the others from the committee, which would be pretty dreadful, or the CFO didn't know that there were, in fact, three accounts and that he didn't have sight of two of them, uh, which would also be pretty dreadful. Either way, it, it's a desperate look. At the very least, RTE now has to go back in and correct the record, but that's only going to lead to further embarrassing lines of questioning as to how they managed to get it so wrong and, and why they weren't in a position to tell the truth last week. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the Chief Financial Officer said last week that he was bringing the Barter account, the one and only Barter account under his control. Mm. Uh, you'd wonder what happened in between uh, that statement and what we're hearing today, the discovery of another two Barter accounts uh, and how those accounts were being used and what they were yeah. being used on. So my understanding is that uh, one of the things that the Oireachtas Media Committee had asked for was uh, a list of transactions in and out of the barter account, as they thought there was only one of, uh, going back for 10 years. And the idea behind that was to see what exactly are these things used for? Is it merely a slush fund for corporate hospitality or or what other kind of services does RTE uh, pay for out of the barter account without actually needing to to hand over any cash. So they were trying to build up a rounded picture of exactly what they're used for and, and just how much of it was used for, for corporate junkets and whether that was an appropriate use of RTE's resources. Um, but what they obviously found in the meantime was that you couldn't really provide a list of transactions from one account because that wouldn't be the whole story because, in fact, there were three such accounts. And, and it is worth noting as well that last week, um, RTE gave the estimates that over the last 10 years, um, the barter account, as they said at the time, just the singular one that they were aware of, um, about 1.25 million have been spent on corporate hospitality and, and client trips um, out of that money, uh, out of that account in 10 years. What we now learn is that across the three accounts, there was 1.6 million euro spent on corporate hospitality. Now, if you work it out on a pro rata per year basis, it's not actually a huge amount, but nonetheless, 350,000 euro worth of spending on corporate hospitality um, that the chief financial officer appeared not to be aware of or that no one else was in a position uh, to correct them. And there is, just, just to rewind back for, for a couple of minutes, by the way, the, there is one striking thing about all of this, that the, the group commercial director was sitting a seat or two away from Richard Collins last week when he stated unequivocally that there was only one barter account. Uh, the group head of commercial, the director of commercial services, Jorgen O'Leary, would have absolutely been aware that there was more than one. She, she has been in the advertising business and has worked in Ortiz Media Sales Unit for decades. She would have been fully aware, or ought to have been fully aware at least, that there was more than one barter account, that they'd have one with each of the agencies that they encounter and that they, they deal with. Mm. And one would wonder why she didn't see fit to correct the record. Was it simply a case of, again, trying to conceal? Was it a case of trying to spare Richard Collins' blushes by not correcting him on the, on the spot? Um, either way, it, it's just a, a desperate, desperate look. And at a time when, when transparency is so paramount that the fact that we're not getting it one way or another really isn't a great look. Okay, uh, not a great look for, for RTE, uh, given that it's probably funded uh, to be paying for junkets and jollies. Was that fund also used to pay Ryan Tuberty? Yes, well, one of those three funds, as we now know it. So when, when we were always referring to the single barter account up until now, um, that was a barter account that was held by RTE with an agency called Astus. They're a London-based uh, advertising purchase firm. So often if RTE had a bit of ad space going spare, um, Astus would, would take it up and they would sort of take up some, some bulk unused space. They would pay partly in cash and partly in credit. And then RTE would use that credit for 
hospitality, for example, or as has now turned out in one instance, uh, to pay €150,000 to Ryan Tuberty because RTE evidently, when they struck this three-way deal with Renault and and, uh, and Ryan Tuberty, they never expected to be on the hook for some of those payments. And then when they found that they were on the hook because Renault were, were pulling out or weren't prepared to renew it, we have this situation then as a result where um, RTE found themselves needing to pay it up quickly mm. and using the barter account to do it. So that one, that main Astus one, uh, was used to, to settle some invoices for Ryan Tuberty. The other two, it doesn't appear have been. And, and what's also worth noting is that one of the other documents handed over by the media committee last night was uh, an anonymised list of RTE's top 100 earners across on-air and management or executive roles. Um, RTE at least were able to stipulate absolutely conclusively that only one person in the top 100 had received any payment through a barter account. That one person obviously is Ryan Tuberty. So mm-hmm. I, at least we can take it from that basis um, that RTE are pretty satisfied that no one else has been paid. Although, I suppose it is worth saying as well that RTE gave assurances to the committee last week, which have turned out to be wrong. So maybe there might be some, some sceptical listeners who might wonder if they can take that claim at face value either. Okay, and um, what about the other ways that the money was spent? Would it be unusual for uh, media groups uh, to spend €110,000 on Rugby World uh, Cup trips to Tokyo or €138,000 for 10-year Irish rugby football union tickets, uh, 26000 for the Champions League and so on, the U2 concert, uh, the meal beforehand uh, and the bus around the corner. Well, I, I can certainly—I I can't speak for for any other outlet, but I could certainly tell you that that uh, Virgin Media Television wouldn't be spending next to near that much money on on a certain amount of corporate hospitality. I mean, the one thing that that is worth saying, and and again, I should say this with again the reminder to listeners that I work for both of RTE's national broadcast um, counterparts, so that you, you might imagine that I've got a little bit of skin in the game. But it is worth saying that the existence of barter accounts in in and of themselves is not all that unusual or, or isn't remarkable because, you know, a barter account could be used, for example, um, let's, uh, totally hypothetically, if a, a nationwide TV or radio station carries ads from a, a city centre Dublin hotel, sometimes they'll get paid partly in cash and partly in credit, and the credit might end up being used to pay for the staff Christmas party so that they, they get the venue for free in exchange for having carried some advertisements earlier in the year. And, and that's not unremarkable and it's not in any way untoward. What's really at issue is the scale of what RT was using um, their barter accounts for and, and whether it was appropriate to indulge in corporate hospitality mm. on that scale or on that level. Like, was it really necessary? Is RTE, you know, so under threat from competitors in the Irish market that it did feel the need to spend over €110,000 bringing six people to the Rugby World Cup or to have uh, a, a dinner and drinks and, and a golf outing in the K-Club for 70 people or to bring people to uh, a dinner before a U2 concert and then have a coach bring them mm. from Condra down Jones's Road or around the canal. You know, it's really the substance of, of whether it was necessary for all of that to be spent. I mean, that's, that's the real question because, again, working for the two competitors, RTE is in such a dominant position in the advertising market and is such a dominant position as regards audience share in Ireland that a lot of people would find it very hard to think that RTE would be under such pressure from its commercial rivals that it would need to go out of its way to, to indulge in hospitality of that sort. One might easily think, and this has been a, a point put by committee members, if RTE is so dominant in the market and its advertising space is so precious, it nearly ought to be the other way around. It ought to be prospective advertisers who are whining and dining RTE to make sure they can get the precious mm. ad space because you would reach so many listeners yeah. by using it. And when we talk about advertisers, uh, the people uh, that um, they entertained would have been advertising executives, people working for the agencies, not the companies who were paying the agents, but 
the agencies themselves. Uh, and the reason for that is that the hope was that the agencies would take out advertising with RTE that otherwise would have gone to Virgin Media or elsewhere. That, that would be the ultimate thrust of it, yes, that it's basically it's trying to build up interpersonal relationships so much that the next time that the agency comes along and they've got a client who needs to spend some money advertising, mm. are they more likely to go to you because of the, the reputation and the connections that you have with RTE? So you, you could, in one sense, you could merely write it off as, as networking and yeah. that's a, a way of building up business that if you've got contacts in the mm. RTE media sales unit, that's fine. Or, as you say, otherwise, is it RTE almost abusing the fact that they are so dominant uh, and trying to build up and being overtly aggressive that it does actually choke out um, advertising that might have gone hypothetically to Virgin Media or might have been used on some of the nationwide commercial radio stations. And and this is kind of what's at the thrust of it. And the more that we talk about this out loud in circumstances like this, Michael, the more you realise that there probably isn't ever going to be any straightforward way of saying whether that's appropriate or not. There's no one who's qualified enough to be a judge to say that was an unnecessary level of, of hospitality. You didn't need to put on that much of a show. And as long as there's nobody who is a qualified... No, it's not fair. It's not fair because it's public money. And I think you don't need to have any great qualification to ask or to answer if it's fair or not about how RTA uses public money. It's money that's paid through the TV licence, €160 that a lot of people don't have, that they can go to prison if they don't pay it. And then RTA is using that money to distort the market uh, to undermine competitors uh, and to put at risk the viability uh, of other media organisations. Yeah, and uh, there, there is one point that, that you said in there, and a lot of people would agree with the, the, the thrust of what you just put out there, but there's one point, and this might sound like it's it's semantics, but this is something that RTE would hang their hats on, and indeed, actually, this is a point that they've made in their submissions to the committee ahead of today. When, when you characterise it there as saying that this is public money, they would say, Actually, no, it's not. It's RTE resources, but there is no actual money. Because bear in mind, if it's a barter account, this is credit that we have received in exchange for carrying previous advertising, that we are not ultimately handing over money. Nobody in RTE is writing a cheque for €110,000 to send six people to the Rugby World Cup. They are basically using up the favours that they've been granted by advertising agencies in exchange for giving them ads before. So it, like, it's, it's kind of semantic because mm. they would say, well, we're, we're not handing over cash, it's not costing us anything, but it is kind of costing you something because that is credit that you could have used for other stuff. I mean, you might have used that credit, for example, to secure a luxury prize for an on-air or a listener competition, which would be common enough place that in media outlets you would use some of your credit with a barter agency, for example, to guarantee a prize for a quiz that you might be or a competition you're running on-air or for your readership. That, that sort of thing. You might have been able to drive a harder bargain when you were doing some other ads further down the line. It's the opportunity cost. It's what you forego when you choose to send six people to the Rugby World Cup. That's really the the ultimate crux of it but but I suspect even in giving this explanation now mm. you realise the old truism of when you're explaining you're losing and I think a lot of people will see an account mm. and a market account being used they will see that as, as cash an RT handing out cash and even if it's not strictly true people will have this perception that RTE is handing over resources that they don't need to and that the public is losing out. Mm, well, the point remains the same because it's a, an organisation that is funded in part uh, through public money. Yeah, and, and the point about the dominant mm. position in the media sector is totally fair, that, that, that you are therefore manipulating your, your, your massive share of the market to squeeze out money that could have gone to stations like mine or stations like yours. Absolutely, uh, and uh, that is 
I think uh, uh, could be considered uh, to be an abuse of the position that RTE holds in in that market. Uh, What about uh, the pay of the top 100 earners in RTE? Are are you surprised that every one of them are earning over €100,000? I'm not in truth because RTE is a a body that has, I think, 1,800 full-time employees and obviously that doesn't include a lot of the outside contractors, the likes of... Uh, Joe Duffy, the likes of Ryan Soberty, the likes of Mary McCallan, the likes of Claire Byrne, who are not actually members of staff. They are in addition to the 1800. And when you include, when you break down the whole thing, it's probably not all that surprising that the 100th highest earner in the station is still on 116,000 euro. Now, it, it is still, it's, it's eye-watering money because 31 of those 100 are on-air talents, if you like, for, for want of a better way of putting it. Um, 59 are middle management and 10 are members of the executive board. And, and I think a lot of people would, would still... Notwithstanding the size of RTE as an agency, the idea that there are 69 members of management who are on at least six-figure salaries, and and potentially more than that, given that the the 100th highest earner is on 116 grand, it's an awful lot of money. And again, maybe it's a case of, given RTE's massive position in the advertising market, maybe they would say, well, if I was working in the private sector and I was commanding a media budget of this size, I'd probably be able to command that level of of a private sector wage. So maybe it's not remarkable uh, from that front. Uh, personally, I'm not massively surprised, but then again, working in, in private sector media, it's always been very clear that RTE's ability to pay for both its on-air and off-air staff is significantly in excess uh, of what the likes of uh, New Socket Today FM or the likes of Virgin or even the likes of local stations would ever be able to pay uh, for comparable work. So in that light, maybe not all that surprising and, and maybe it's illustration of just the the sort of culture that's emerged in Montrose where they believe that money is that readily available and it simply just isn't so easily accessed to anyone else outside of Donnybrook. Okay, round three of the Oireachtas Committee hearings uh, today, half past one, the Media Committee uh, will be sitting. Uh, I think sparks will fly. Uh, what do you uh, expect to come of that today? Uh, well, there's two other bits that are outstanding that the committee hadn't yet received as of last night, and, and they might really be the, the meat of things. So first of all, obviously, we will have, as we've been discussing, uh, people asking, well, why wasn't the chief financial officer aware of there being more than one barter account? Was it concealed from him? Was it a question of competence, or is there some kind of ongoing deception even within RTE going on? Um, but there's two other things that are still outstanding. So firstly, the full list of what the barter account was used to pay for over 10 years. That's still outstanding. That will give us a full steer of how much exactly was going to hospitality, how much of it might be going to other things that are of the more direct and obvious public benefit. And one other thing which was promised to be handed over last night and still hasn't been seen, a final sum for how much was lost by Toy Show the musical. Um, This was obviously, it's an ongoing matter of public interest and RT have been very reticent up until now to put a final figure on how much money was lost. But they promised that the hand went over today. And there is a suspicion among some members of the media committee that the discovery or this this sudden um, the reveal of two other barter accounts is in some way linked to services that were provided uh, for the Toy Show musical in the convention centre, which was a, a dismal commercial flop last year. So uh, putting a sum on that, and if there's a possible link between that and barter accounts, could be a, a very, very interesting day. So no doubt 
many eyes on committee room three at half past one today. I'm sure. Gavin, thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning. That's uh, the political correspondent with Virgin Media News, Gavin Riley, who's also a columnist for the Mead Chronicle. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Now, the Oireachtas uh, Committee on uh, the Implementation of uh, the Good Friday Agreement is to meet with uh, the Independent Commission for the Location of Victims' Remains at Bragan Bog on Thursday of this week. Uh, the Chair of the Committee, Fergus O'Dowd, is on the line. A very good morning to you and thank you for joining us on uh, the programme uh, this morning. Uh, what's behind, what's the thinking behind this visit? We got a, an invitation from the family of uh, of Columba McVeigh, who was murdered there in 1975, to visit and to go there so that we would show solidarity with them and also to call for anybody who has any information about where his remains may actually be within that bog to come forward. We also got an invitation from Wave Trauma. Wave Trauma are based in Belfast and they deal specifically with families from all sides who suffered loss in, in during the troubles, be they Catholic, Protestant or whatever. Uh, so they asked us to visit there as well. So that's the reason we're going. We're also going to, to meet, as you say, the commissioners. There are two independent commissioners for the location of victim remains. Tim Dawson, appointed by the Irish government, and Rosalie Flanagan, appointed by the British government. And they are they have the, they are able to take any information that they're given, uh, you know, to try and recover the bodies of the four people who were murdered by the IRA and their bodies have not been recovered. Uh, so, it's um, the key thing about that process is that any information given to the commissioners, either directly or indirectly, will be treated in total confidence and cannot and will never be used. Uh, you know, to prosecute anybody. It's really about recovering the remains of people who have been buried and left forever in an unmarked grave. And it's about helping the families, uh, you know, to to get closure by recovering those remains and burying them in in the Christian um, Christian grave with with two improper uh, religious families. And and the IRA admitted to killing Columba McVeigh, saying uh, that he he was a British agent, uh, that he he was uh, passing information to the British. Yeah, well, uh, the point the point we're making is that we have a peace process. The peace process worked for twenty five years. Uh, to to kill or murder somebody, in my view, and I'm just speaking personally, is something I never support. Uh, but the point is that this is about the recovery of the remains, and all members of the committee, including members of Sinn Féin, have been invited and hopefully will attend. And you know, the people that would have killed him or murdered him. Uh, it's it's 48 years now since he was murdered. So these people, you know, they obviously are getting older and um, people change as time goes on. And, you know, it's hard to believe that there isn't somebody out there that could give additional information. Now, the, the, the commissioners are very clear that they believe that he is definitely buried in the bog and they have actually gone through over 21 acres of the bog. So they have specialised teams there with digging equipment and also there's attendance on site of forensic archaeologists who go through all of the all of the bog that's dug up to ensure that there are no human remains there. Obviously looking for something like cloth or clothes or whatever would be an indicator that there might be human remains in, in a particular sample that's taken out. 
Um, and that's it's a painstaking job. So we're going there also to to show respect for those people, you know, and and obviously recognise the, the work that they're doing, the difficult work it is. And uh, you know, it's this place where where he's, he's buried. If you leave a road and you go in a full mile in up a, into a bog, he's buried somewhere in there. So, like you know, the people that murdered him. Mm. You know, they they you know they tried to make sure his body was never found. And yeah. not talking about this case, but no matter what happens in a war or in a in a violent con- context, uh, you know the people who have died should be treated respectfully and should be the bodies should be recovered and should be buried appropriately and properly so yeah. that the families you know can pay the respects uh, to to that person. Do you think uh, that the British have Columba McVeigh's blood on their hands as well? Well, the, the point is, whoever resorts to violence in our country mm. have blood on their hands. Yeah, but the British set Columba McVeigh up, didn't they? Uh, I mean, his family would say that the British set him up and the provost finished him off in that he, he was arrested at home when there was a raid on his house and... Uh, taken away and put in prison for some time uh, because uh, they said they had discovered bullets in the home uh, of uh, the McVeighs, uh, um, which, uh, to all intents and purposes, uh, had nothing to do with the IRA, according to the IRA. Uh, but then he, he may have become an agent for the British or not, but that was why the IRA killed him. Yeah, well, I, you know, I can't speak for the IRA and I don't know the detail of what you're saying. But what I do know is that he was murdered, he was buried in a bog. It's impossible so far to find his remains. They've been digging there this the sixth dig, I think, since nineteen ninety nine. And they the commission are, are absolutely committed to recovering his remains. And what we're trying to do is to show that anybody who has any knowledge or any information that hasn't yet been divulged to the commission should do so. And um you know what I'm saying is your know, people are entitled and families are entitled to have the body returned. And that's really that's really it, Michael. Um, and the commission are absolutely committed to that. And uh, regardless of what anybody might allege to have done or not done, the families are entirely you know, without blame in any in any case. Like if you lost a, a family member, you know, to you know, to for whatever reason, say they're lost at sea. You know, the, the recovery of the remains will bring great closure to you or to me if that were to happen. And I think that's that's the point we're making. This is about recovery remains and it's about reconciliation and it's about you know, it, it's about it's about giving all the information you possibly can to, to, to the commission. Mm, well, there is no doubt. Uh, I'm sure any family uh, such as the McVeighs uh, would want uh, Columba back uh, and to give him a, a Christian burial, as you say. Uh, there seems to be little doubt, uh, or at least um, there's uh, a, a lot to think uh, that he is buried in Bragham Bog uh, because the searches for Columba McVeigh have been going on in the bog since 1999 uh, and the current search is the sixth such search I think. It is Michael it is and I I have been there before and as I said you've got to to walk in it's it's very hard to drive there because it's just a, a very stony and a rocky and can be a flooded place. So you go in a full mile, and you just there's just blank the bog everywhere. 
and they've dug up 21 acres already, but they won't be able to dig. I don't know exactly how many square miles there are, but it goes on across the border into County Tyrone. And from it's a huge bog. Mm. And, uh, so, so like, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it, it, the body was obviously never meant to be found. And I mean, that's, you know, nobody has any right, to, I believe, to take people's lives and, and, to, and to do that to them and to their families is unforgivable. But that's what this commission is about: is getting the recovery. And uh, if you and I've met, I don't know if you've had the, the McFaves on your on your program. No, or not, but no, no. They, 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 Well, I'm quite sure they would be happy to go yeah, on to talk yeah, to you yeah. about how they feel 48 years later yeah, and yeah. How, how much it'll mean to them. Yeah. And, and when I've met them, obviously, and to listen to them and to understand their their pain and their suffering, you know, it is it, it's a, it's you know it's just it's just a terrible place for them to be. Mm. And there are other, there are four other people at the IRA murdered: there's Seamus McGuire, there's Robert Nair, and there's Joe Linsky. Sorry, there's four in total. And um, we have the Good Friday Agreement. We we have peace. The violence has stopped. And I think if we were to find those bodies, uh, you know, that it would bring closure to all of the families. The 3,500 people died during violence, all by four of them are buried in graves where the relatives know where they are. These are the only four that happen to know in graves. Mm. I think that's the other point I'd like to make, Jim. Yeah, yeah. Four out of 17 people who were disappeared. Uh, the Commission discovered uh, 11 of the remains, uh, but uh, as you say, four of the 17, Joseph Linsky, Robert Nairick, uh, Seamus McGuire and Columba McVeigh, uh, remain disappeared uh, and uh, the search continues in Bragg and Bog for Columba McVeigh. Uh, thankfully, uh, there's many adults alive today who don't remember the troubles. Uh, people who uh, were around in 1975 would never have been surprised uh, to think uh, that the IRA would have killed touts. Uh, and uh, I think that's probably... Uh, a reflection of how the world has changed since the Good Friday Agreement. Well, I, I, I don't agree with you, Michael, on what you say about killing touts or not killing touts. You can call any, you can call these people anything you like. I can't judge them, but I do know I can judge people who kill other people. Informers. Well, Michael, I just want to make my point. There's only war and I call them, and they're murderers. They murdered somebody. When there is a democratic way of getting political change uh, that's that's what I believe in um, but the point is that mm. these people were murdered I wouldn't, mm. uh, they were human beings they have families and I wouldn't, uh, I'm not suggesting you're blackening their name at all and I'm not suggesting that but I, I would reject calling them Touts. No, I'm not calling them touts. I, I'm saying that in 1975, people people expected the IRA to kill touts. Uh, I mean, I think that's just a, a I, fact. I, I, Every, I, I, everybody was warned that if you yeah. give information to the British, yeah. you will be punished yeah. and well, uh, killed. If I don't particularly want to, I, I don't want to personally disagree with you on issues. I accept that you're making a point that that people who the IRA might make. But I'm making the opposite point, that taking any human life is wrong. 
and uh, there is mm. never there is never there is never an accepted reason for murdering somebody. The point I was making is how the world Michael. has changed. Having murdered Michael, leaving him in an unmarked grave mm. for forty eight years, yes, is a is a very evil act. In my the, the, the point the point I'm making is that the world has changed, uh, and in nineteen seventy five, there was no political alternative uh, to finding. Uh, justice for one half of uh, the community living in Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland. Well, you see, that's why you had the democratic process. You had the, you first of all, you had the Nationalist Party, which represented the Nationalist minority. Then you had the Social Democratic and Labour Party, the SDLP. Then you had people like John Hume, mm. and you had people like Jerry Adams. They took different paths. There's no doubt about that. You have 3,500 people dead as a result of that trouble, and it's not something like 40,000 people uh, received injuries, uh, some very serious life-changing injuries. And, and thankfully, out of, out of it all, and the work of John Hume, and the work of Tony Blair, and Bertie Ahern, and everybody else, uh, the violence ended. And that's, that's the point. Uh, the violence, and it's 25 years since anybody was murdered politically in this island. So isn't it time now to to return the bodies of the deceased? Um, And if 3,500 people have their graves known and respected and honoured, I don't see why these people shouldn't have the same. There's no reason why it shouldn't happen, in my view. Mm, Yeah, Uh, discovering the body, discovering the remains uh, is uh, the biggest obstacle uh, at this stage. As you say, it's... uh uh, a huge uh, piece of land and uh, the uh, excavation, uh, the discovery uh, at the first point, uh, very, very complicated. Uh, but uh, you'll, you'll be there on Thursday uh, and meeting with the Commission uh, and undoubtedly the family uh, as well. Thank you as well uh, for joining us uh, this morning. Ferguson, thank, thank, thank you for having me on. I appreciate you giving the story coverage. Thank okay, you. Thank you, Ferguson. O'Dowd is a Fine Gael TD for Loud and East Mead and Chair of the Oireachtas Committee on the implementation of the Good Friday Agreement. Michael Reed on LMFM. You can phone us on 0419832000 if you want to comment on the programme. You can also text or WhatsApp your comment to 0861800658 or you can email michael at lmfm.ie. Alan has WhatsApp just this morning. Alan says we're never going to get to the truth of what went on in RTE. It's all a click. Like our politicians, the councils, the HSE, all friends and family getting jobs. The corruption goes on and on, says Ellen. Thank you for your WhatsApp, Ellen. Thanks uh, to, uh, to um, um, there's no name actually, uh, to a caller who says, close RTE down altogether. They're just an arrogant lot. Arrogance coming through uh, a lot of the comments today. Sean in Dublin 9 says uh, the RTE executives are are treating the doll members with disdain. It's as if they're saying, how dare should a crowd of lowly paid doll deputies containing shinners and Labour TDs question us, posh ex-college boys? We are paid far more than you suckers and we are far more intelligent. Uh, that's uh, Sean's read on it. Thanks uh, for sharing that with us. Uh, we had Mary and Trim uh, texting us this morning. Mary says she can't believe what's happening. Three inquiries between now and next March. At the end of it, no one will be held accountable. 
rentable. The TV licence will go up. People will make a fortune out of it. And we will foot the bill and they want to restore confidence in the people. It's a, a joke, another joke, says Mary in Trim. Thanks, Mary, for your message as well. And Navin listener says, Michael, it is time to bring the fraud squad into RCA. More scandals uh, emerging now. People have to be held to account a slap on the wrist and saying how sorry they are doesn't wash anymore. Our Navin listener says it is disgraceful. Thank you for that. Well, the media committee will be sitting today at half past one. Undoubtedly, there will be a lot of questions for RTA when it comes before its members. One of the members of that committee is Sinn Féin TD, Imelda Munster. And we'll hear a little bit from Imelda Munster, what she had to say in the Dáil yesterday about RTA. And that was, of course, before these revelations that we've woken up to this morning. Those overpayments have been a doorway that opened onto a scandal that gets bigger with each statement, that grows wider with each discovery, that shines more light on mismanagement and excesses that would shame the most extravagant of Celtic Tiger era excesses. But these efforts alone to conceal top-up payments of 345,000 with false invoicing, UK-based barter accounts, ask no questions mentality. They have destroyed RTE's bond with their staff and the general public. Then we have the 1.25 million barter account, the slush fund that charges 35% handling fee on transactions. Now, we know the commercial section needs to do workings, but it's networking, but it's the sheer extravagance of it. We know that the 110,000 on travel and hotels to the 2019 Rugby World Cup in Japan, in Japan. we know of the 10-year IRFU season tickets at the cost of 138,000 and 26,000 on the 2019 Soccer Champions League final in Madrid. We know, too, the 40 guests, mainly RTE staff and family, but a few advertising agents who enjoyed going to the U2 concert in Croke Park, enjoying it from the premium level, after a coach took them from the whining and dining in the 22 restaurant in Drumcondra, and the coach was hired to take them the short distance from Drumcondra to Croke Park. The 70 or so people who played golf in the K Club with dinner a drinks reception and prizes after their round of golf. Oh, and lunch on early arrival and goodie bags. There was no holding back on that, that do. This was around the same time that there were reports that RTE was considering the future of Lyric FM radio station. All of these events, the events that we know of, were fully or partly paid for through that barter account and other expenses were paid for using credit cards separate to the barter account, Minister. So the barter account should be fully audited, Minister, from its inception to today, along with the separate credit cards, and this is quite important, the separate credit cards that were used to pay for those lavish expenses, all paid from taxpayers' money. 
Right, that's uh, Sinn Féin TD. Imelda Munster speaking in uh, the doll yesterday. And I think we'll be hearing more about those credit cards. We'll be hearing a lot more as more information comes uh, to light, but more about those credit cards later in the day, it would seem as well. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Now to some more of uh, the comments coming to us. Uh, some people uh, very annoyed with RTE today. Uh, others not as annoyed uh, at RTE, but annoyed by the coverage of RTE and the scandals at RTE. Uh, WhatsApp message uh, from a listener in Trim. Uh, Greg in touch saying, Martin, uh, uh, he says, uh, Mother of God is there no important news uh, to be talking about? I'm so sick of listening to the same thing every day about the sham that is and always has been RTE. It's taking away from the real issues that are happening in our little island. These lies and backhanders are going on every single day and we don't hear anything about them. So will you all please change the record and get on with the real news. I think that's a very valid point, Martin. Um, uh, It's a story that is uh, overshadowing everything else. And I think it's because it's in the national broadcaster. It receives public funding. It gets a, a lot of money. It pays a lot of people a lot of money, 100 people over €100,000. And uh, it's expected to be above reproach. It's expected uh, to be independent in its thinking, to be fair and balanced in everything that it does. Uh, uh, but we see that it's an organisation that has been deceitful, that it has been hiding spending, it has not been declaring money, uh, and it has uh, been receiving €56 million Euro, uh, in public money, uh, which could have gone to deal with some of the real issues uh, that you're talking about. I, I, I think a lot of people are very taken aback, especially, I, I think a lot of us thought that it was over, in fairness, uh, but I think a lot of us then woke up this morning and got, oh my God, not a, another two slush funds. Uh, They were scrambling. Uh, The media committee were waiting on uh, those documents and they waited and waited. Uh, They'll be reading them frantically this morning now uh, before they get the opportunity to ask questions about them. This is last minute, 11th hour discovery on the part of RTE. Will we never get to the truth, uh, Ellen uh, says. Um, I did read Ellen's uh, text earlier on. Apologies uh, for that. Uh, Colin Morning uh, says, good morning, Michael. Maybe it's time Morty began to rebrand some shows. For example, I can hear Joe Duffy starting his show with, hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to the gravy train. Okay. <laughs> Thanks uh, for that, uh, Col. Um I don't uh, know if uh, Joe Duffy would appreciate that, but... Uh, I think it's probably uh, interesting for us all to think about uh, given the amount of uh, money that Joe Duffy is being paid uh, and uh, the 100 top earners, earners, every one of them over €100,000. Michael, it's Gangster's Paradise RTE, uh, says a Mead listener. Um, And thank you indeed for that. Jim was on the phone to us. Uh, Our phone number, by the way, is 0419832000. Jim says, the latest revelations on the extra barter accounts owned by RTE are the nail in the coffin as far as he's concerned with the state broadcaster. He says that he will never pay the licence fee again. They can put him in jail if they want. They'll never get another cent out of him. 
Thanks, Jim. Um, the way that's put, it sounds like you mean it. I've heard a lot of people say, um, and uh, I've heard more politicians uh, say that they've heard from people who say they're not going to pay the licence fee. Uh, we've had some calls to the programme like Jim's, uh, but uh, the politicians are hearing it, uh, as we probably will hear later in the programme, uh, countless from countless people. Uh, but does that mean that people are going to go to jail uh, for not paying the licence fee? Uh, I don't know. Jim feels he is willing to do that. Pat is in Carrick Macross. Uh, and Pat was on the phone as well to ask uh, about the latest disclosures and the extra barter accounts. Is that not a job for the Gardaí or the Criminal Assets Bureau to investigate and get answers uh, on this matter? It turns out uh, there are four to five of these accounts with 1.6 million alone spent on hospitality. This was taxpayers' hard money and it was spent in a feckless and irresponsible manner. Thanks, uh, Pat, for that. Uh, Three slush funds or barter accounts, uh, I think, uh, is uh, the RTE version of events at the moment. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, Gavin is in Dundalk and he's uh, been on uh, to us uh, this morning uh, saying that uh, he heard Gavin Riley actually talking uh, about uh, the pay scales in Virgin Media and the 100 people in RTE who get paid over €100,000 uh, and Gavin Riley saying oh, Virgin Media don't pay that kind of money to any of their staff. So who does RTE think their stars are going to go to if they don't pay them these exorbitant salaries. Why pay Ryan Turberty so much? Uh, RTE say it's because he'll leave RTE if they don't pay him so much to work somewhere that will pay him as much uh, as uh, he's been earning in RTE. Who will pay so much? Where will he get that money? Uh, Not here, Gavin says. Uh, He won't get it at Virgin Media. He won't get it at Today FM. So who will pay that amount of money? The BBC? Did Ryan Turberty not try that road? Did he not go there? Uh, And was he uh, told thanks very much but no thanks? So what's the problem paying less? Uh, If uh, 
Ryan Turberty wants to leave RTE, there's nowhere for him to go. Um, wh- wh- why is there this insistence that they have to be paid these huge amounts of money um, or we'll have nobody to do the job? There's people lined up waiting to do the job. Thank you indeed uh, for that. I think there might have been a problem years ago with uh, some presenters uh, that have come up through the ranks of uh, Irish media, um, the likes of Eamon Andrews, uh, who certainly had a, a great career working in the UK. Uh, that's I, I, I'm not sure if there's anybody uh, still working in this country, um, and I'm sure you know who that is without naming names that would have talent that would be uh, in line with that of Eamon Andrews, who had a successful career in the UK. Gay Byrne, I, I think, uh, could have as easily have had as successful a career there as he had here. Uh, but uh, I think Gay Byrne chose to live in Ireland. Terry Wogan, of course, uh, another great name uh, in the archives of British broadcasting. Um, but after that, uh, Graham Norton, maybe, um, uh, the only other name uh, that comes to mind, uh, of course, uh, who has a, a fantastic uh, career in uh, the UK. But after that, uh, I don't think uh, there's really anybody uh, who was born in this country uh, who could expect to get paid uh, 500,000 or a million euro or whatever it is uh, that these so-called stars are looking for. Maybe uh, you think otherwise. Uh, maybe you want to tell us or maybe you want to talk about the attitude that RTE has towards paying out uh, these big salaries. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, somebody else, uh, Sharon it is in Navin, who uh, says that RTE is nothing but repeats. That's all that is on RTE. Repeats. That's all that is on RTE. Repeats. That is all that is on RTE. Repeats. Lining their own pockets instead of investing in the future and future producers and so on. Thank you very much indeed, Sharon. Let me give you the numbers if you want to make comment. 0419832000 if you want to ring us. Text or WhatsApp 0861800658. Email michael at lmfm.ie. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now we're going to talk about the budget. That's the budget for next year that will be announced in October because the parameters for next year's budget were published yesterday by the government with the publication of the summer economic statement. Jed Nash is Labour's spokesperson on finance and he's with us in the studio. But before we talk about the budget and all that goes with that, maybe we could talk about uh, Drogheda where you're based uh, and indeed some exceptional weather yesterday which caused some exceptional problems. Yeah and far, to, far for me to make light of it but uh, it's one of those days in Drogheda where you count yourself lucky that you live on the top of a hill Serious problems. Uh, started getting calls yesterday afternoon from uh, people around the Harmons Gardens area, problems in my own area around the Cord Road as well, uh, Glenview, Pierce Park and so on. And we saw as well footage um, online yesterday uh, of a serious issue in the Marks and Spencer store uh, in Drahal as well. There were ongoing issues there with um, with leaks, uh, mm. as I understand it, and from what I can recall from being a regular visitor to, that, to, to, to the centre. Um, I actually emailed Loud County Council last night and Irish Water this morning. I uh, haven't had some discussions with my council colleagues, Michelle Hall, P.O. Smith and Emma, Emma Cutlip, about the problem. And I recall uh, canvassing you know, recently in the Pierce Park area with my colleague, Councillor P.O. Smith, where these issues arose again, time and again. There are issues with um, full gullies 
um, gullies that haven't been uh, cleared. But even if those gullies are cleared, my understanding is that the um, pipe network is so old uh, and is in such a state of disrepair that a big job of work is required to be done to actually upgrade um, uh, the pipe network around the part of what we might call inner drawda, which is understandable. A lot of those pipes, that network was laid a long, long time ago and is in no way in a position to um, deal with the population it expansion in the bad area. Though. I mean, in fairness, I just wonder, yeah. uh, I'm not trying to argue uh, the point with you, sure. but it, it hasn't been doing badly, really. I mean, uh, that great summer weather that we had, uh, I think it was about three weeks ago that it ended. And over the last three weeks, we've had terrible downpours. Mm. What happened yesterday was freak weather, wasn't it? Yeah, It was freak weather. And of course, we're going to, because of you know climate change, uh, we're going mm. to experience more uh, instances like this. And, and, and that's why, you know, mitigation needs to be needs to be introduced and, and networks do need to be uh, upgraded. You're absolutely right. I mean, we haven't experienced anything like this in quite a while. That being said, in parts of the town, like Harman's Gardens, for example, any time there is some kind of a, a weather episode, there's always problems yeah. there. And I'd be concerned, obviously, for the businesses there, yeah. um, for staff and, and so on. Well, for so, years, it was always Harman's Gardens and uh, yeah. around by the bus station. Uh, I think the problem that, with the bus right. station has been fixed that, up. Uh, that, 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 that has been. Uh, mm. Less so there at Glenview, mm. uh, but yesterday... And I've I've seen the images. Mm. I wasn't back home and draw till late last mm. night. But people were sending me the images of trying to wade through uh, that particular flashpoint in their cars. And I wonder uh, if people have insurance costs uh, concerns, concerns. Uh, because yeah. there's an act of God. Uh, and I mean, I think it could well be argued that this was a phenomenal weather uh, experience. Well, that that's true. Um, mm. But there's also as well parts of the town where there are repeated problems, and I would be concerned about. You know, good businesses and mm. additional insurance costs because of that. So that's where local authority, the state, needs to step in to make sure that those problems are, are are mitigated. My understanding is, as I said earlier on, that you know the the network is it could do an upgrading. Uh, I've put a question into Irish Water this morning about their plans to do that. Mm. Uh, it's a, an extensive job that we would be required. Naturally enough, I mean that pipe network is very very old. Mm. Uh, tell us uh, about Marks and Spencers. This is in uh, the Lawrence Shopping Centre in the centre of uh, Drogheda. I imagine a, a lot of people saw a video of what was going on. Uh, for anybody who didn't, uh, is it possible to even explain uh, the, uh, the, 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 what would you call it, the rain in the centre? I mean, it was, it was, it was heavier it was, inside than out, yeah, uh, as was, was described the, to me this mm. morning. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a regular visitor to, to the centre there. Uh, know many of the staff very, very well. Uh, friends who work there, um, many of us have. Um, there were issues there. I mean, you would see in the Marks and Spencer's facility in the Lawrence Centre buckets taken out uh, occasionally to deal with relatively minor issues uh, that would um, manifest themselves uh, during heavy rain. Uh, I do recall uh, being told recently that uh, there was a planning to address that issue this summer. Um, clearly that wasn't addressed yet. Uh, you'll see as well, sometimes maybe in the centre of the, um, in, in the middle aisle, uh, going out the William Street entrance, uh, there would also be often be wet floors there, which would suggest there might be an issue with, with the ceiling. Mm. Um, don't want to comment any further. I mean, I'm sure that the property owners were seeking to address that. Uh, but yesterday, flash weather, you know, mm. Couldn't have been anticipated, and we saw the the the, the all of the stock. devastation, yeah. uh, stock damage. My understanding all is there are you know, sta- staff in there. You mm. know, late last mm. night, 
early this morning trying to resolve those problems mm. and I do hope that this can be uh, addressed soon and that it's reopened shortly. Mm, it can't reopen, can it, till the roof is repaired? I mean, you couldn't One, one would imagine so from a health and safety point of view. Mm. Um, I, I mean, it's it impossible. If you didn't see I it with your own eyes, it's yeah. impossible to explain what was happening. It was like rain in a rainforest. It was that heavy. It was heavier than it was outside and never seen rain as heavy as it was outside. It, it, it was tropical yeah. as if you're watching yeah. a David Attenborough programme mm. from the tropics yeah. um, during rainy season. Um, the deluge was incredible mm. and, and the I can cost, only imagine the damage done. The uh, cost must be phenomenal. It must be, yeah. Of course, that'll yeah. be a matter for, for the property mm. owner and the insurance company but I hope yeah. the, the operation mm. can get going uh, as soon as possible and that staff as well at this point in time are, are looked after. Yeah. Alright, well let's hope so uh, because uh, there's a, a lot of people who would be very concerned uh, about that. Now as I mentioned earlier on uh, the government uh, published its summer economic statement yesterday. And it sets out as you said the fiscal parameters for budget 2024, uh, that is the budget package for next year, which will be announced in October. I am satisfied that it provides the kind of multi-billion euro response required to help families with the cost of living, providing for a significant welfare and pensions package, as well as for greater tax fairness. It strikes the balance in terms of where we are in the economic cycle, because we want to continue to be prudent with the national finances. Uh, we have, as the deputy will know, uh, full employment for only the second time in a generation and will record a budget surplus again next year. Right, that's the uh, Taoiseach. Leo Vratker speaking in the doll yesterday. This is uh, to be a 6.4 billion euro envelope. Uh, it is uh, to exceed the government's rules of increasing spending by no more than 5% a year because the increase is expected to be 6.1% uh, over the course of next year. There's to be 5.2 billion spent on day-to-day spending and 1.1 billion on a tax package. How that breaks down, we'll find out in October when the budget itself is announced but this really is fantastic for the government isn't it Uh, to be in this position to be able to present a giveaway budget that's how some of the media are describing it today and this won't be um, well there's there's two ways of looking at this if you look at the um, core figures announced by government yesterday yes they are breaching their own self-imposed expenditure rule that would insist that they wouldn't spend uh, any more than five percent on top of what they spent last year they've only abided by that particular rule once i think that was 2021 and i understand the reasons why uh, we've had concerns originally over brexit then concerns over covid uh, and concerns now with cost of living and insulating as many people as possible would you f- put 10 billion that. you weren't expecting into a savings account or to pay off debt or what would you do um that's an open discussion now mm. about what what happens would you stick and to the rule though uh, I wouldn't stick to the rule for the moment yeah. and I'll tell you why because um, there's too many people in, in gravely difficult circumstances it's very difficult to have yeah. a conversation with uh, people who are experiencing dire poverty or find it difficult to make ends meet and, and you know pay, pay for the shopping at the end of the week when they're looking on the one hand at record government surpluses and then on the other hand how difficult it is for them and their families to, to survive so there's a, a reality here that needs to be faced by government and everybody understands that but there's no point in imposing a rule if you're not uh, prepared yourself yourselves to uh, abide by it so 
What we saw yesterday, the figures that were presented, actually only give us half the picture. And this is the problem, and I called this out yesterday uh, in a press statement in response to the summary economic statement when I read the entire document. And sometimes it's what they don't say that's more important than what it is they do say. Uh, we know last year they spent €4 billion euro essentially off balance sheet, uh, these last-minute once-off measures to try to insulate households against the um, uh, uh, rising cost of, of living. They were really poorly targeted. Remember the energy credit? Uh, everybody thought it was great, but in fact was inflationary. Uh, it was given to everybody, regardless of whether you needed it or not. That was the wrong policy decision. When I, In fact, what they should have done was increase social welfare by €20 Euros and not €12 Euros to insulate the least well-off in our, in our society. Uh, so, yesterday... They published plans, a framework that would suggest that they're only going to spend 6.4 billion euro, Mm. 6.1% ahead of uh, what they spent last year. Uh, But in reality, they're going to be spending probably closer to 10. And this is the problem. I mean, these summer economic statements were introduced to bring more transparency to budgeting in Ireland after the financial crash. And to make sure as well that politicians avoided the you know attraction of pulling a rabbit out of a hat at the last minute to impress people. And it turns out, in fact, people aren't always impressed by that. Mm. Uh, and I understand why. So what we're going to have now over the next few weeks, Michael, is government ministers engaged in kind of faux battles, sham fights between themselves, uh, you know, for the, um, you know, uh, for, for their own glorification in the media uh, over the summer, the, 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 the silly season of the, 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 the few weeks in, in August and into early September. Um, about what people are going to get and what people aren't going to get mm. in the budget. Uh, the framework that's in place at the moment, the 5.25 billion euros, much of that actually will go to covering existing spending commitments and an expanding population. So there won't be any giveaway mm. uh, unless we figure out, or unless they're prepared to tell us what it is they're prepared to spend on once-off measures uh, in the budget uh, and where they're going to be targeted. Mm. We also there's an well, additional 4 billion on non-core funding and another 2 and a, two and a quarter billion on infrastructure, new yeah, infrastructure. The, the, mm. the 4 billion euro that they allocated yesterday is interesting in how it's described. Mm. Uh, they refer to that as covering costs for, for example, refugees fleeing war in mm. Ukraine, uh, additional COVID costs, which mm. is Kind of peculiar, mm. uh, Brexit adjustment fund, and so on and so forth. But there's plenty of fat in there, if I could describe it as such, for the government mm. to pull some rabbits out of a hat yeah. over the next few weeks. So the problem is, uh, problem I have is how this is presented. Look as well at the capital program, Michael. They're going to spend about 12.8 billion euros next year on uh, transport, on schools, on you know third level expansion, uh, on um, housing. Four billion euro on housing, which is insufficient to deal with the problems that we have at the moment in housing, but. They do say that they're going to use two and a quarter billion euro of the forecast 10 to 12 billion euro corporation tax surplus over the next three years to smooth the capital fund. So in other words, construction inflation is, is, is a big, big problem. We know mm. that. It's costing about 15% more now this year to build anything that it did this time last year. That's understood. But they're only going to spend an extra 250 million euro and smoothing that next year. So what's that going to mean in practice? It's going to mean fewer houses than they originally planned, fewer schools than they originally planned, fewer buses than they originally planned planned, fewer bus lanes, fewer cycle lanes and so on. The Irish Fiscal Advisory Council warned a couple of months ago that they need to be spending about 24% more on the capital programme just for it to keep pace with the original plan that they launched a couple of years ago, the new national development plan. But it's also very critical of increasing spending by more than 5%. It it is because it could end up uh, increasing inflation. So Mm. what do we mean by that? 
pours more money into the economy, creates more demand at a time actually when demand in the economy should be lessened. And who suffers most when inflation goes up? It's people who are on low and middle incomes who find that the euro isn't stretching uh, as far as it used to. Uh, There are plenty of people who are uh, reasonably well off, who are well insulated against the cost of living uh, impact that we've seen over the last kind of year and a half or so. But there are many, many people who are really, really struggling. So the best way of using the resources we have at the moment is to make sure we deal with the structural problems in our social protection or I should call it income adequacy system and make sure that the incomes that people have are adequate because they're not at the moment and the reason why they're Mm. actually instituting all these once-off payments is because it's an admission almost that the social protection system isn't as strong as it might be in Mm. a modern economy. So what does that mean? Increase welfare by €25 or what would you have in mind? Well, we don't know yet because we don't know what inflation is going to be at the end of the year. We said €20 last year. Mm. Uh, I can't put a figure, Michael, on what it's going to be this year because we don't know where inflation is going to be Mm. at the end of the year and into next year mm. probably going to be a four to five percent so people say well four to five percent is better than the ten or eleven percent it was earlier on this year mm. it is but you're paying four to five percent more for stuff <laughs> now than you were this time last year mm-hmm. so that's in real terms what it means and your euro isn't going isn't stretching as far uh, i mean the reality is that if you're a, a pensioner with ten thousand euros in the bank it's only really worth about 8,000 or 7,500 euro now. That's the reality. Mm. I, I suppose uh, when a government has as much money as this government has at its disposal, it should be a, a giveaway budget, or it wouldn't be too surprising if it was a, a giveaway budget. And there should be one for everyone in the audience, as they say. Uh, what would you uh, do with funding for RTE? Excuse the late, late mm. pun, indeed. Um, you know, the, 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 what we wouldn't do. Uh, is repeat, for example, the energy credits uh, that were introduced last year because they are inflationary, uh, they're not targeted. Um, any once-off payments that they do consider should be targeted. So if that means an additional you know, few hundred euros for somebody who's, for example, on the fuel allowance, if you're on the fuel allowance, that's an acknowledgement that you're mm. in fuel poverty. Um, they could expand, for example, uh, some of the uh, various allowances for uh, long parents who um, particularly find it very, very difficult. Um, what they uh, could do as well is on the capital side uh, ensure that you know more homes are built. It's that straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but with the additional two hundred and fifty million euro, that's all they're allocating on top of the existing commitment on on the capital program. That's not going to build too many additional houses. In fact, I'd anticipate they're going to be building fewer public homes next year than they did mm-hmm. this year, because this is just a standstill budget in many respects. Big problem here, Michael, mm-hmm. is that t- two things. One is one is that. Um, one is that, uh, well, it's not a problem for me. I think it's a problem for the Fine Gael backbenchers. Uh, 1.15 billion euro tax announced cuts, in tax yeah. cuts. Mm. Uh, the, f- the, the framework for tax mm. cuts, yes, will not deliver the 1,000 euro for everyone in the audience that Fine Gael backbenchers mm. and junior ministers were No, but they'll be able to go to the electorate and year. say, uh, if we had a majority, a Fine Gael majority government, uh, the, we would have been this, able this, to deliver this, it. This yeah. is all yeah. about sending campaign yeah. messages, mm. I think, mm. ahead of the, the, the next election. Mm. Fine Gael appealing to the top 20% in Irish mm society rather than the people who need support the most. What you're going to find here with this particular um, provision for tax cuts is an adjustment to the tax credits and bans, which I understand. I understand the mm. case for that because if you do receive a pay increase, you don't want to be put into a different tax band. Mm. That's that's completely completely understandable. So it does seem that Fine, Fine Gael have thankfully lost this particular this particular battle. Okay, uh, what I was asking. Okay, what I was asking you was uh, about funding RTE. Uh, if Sorry. there is one for everyone in the audience, should RTE be included? Should uh, funding to RTE be increased? 
We'll see. Um, we don't know. I listened uh, intently to what uh, the Minister for Finance said on radio this morning when he was asked that question. We do need a public service broadcaster in this country. Everybody would understand that. And they are under financial pressure. Um, it may very well be the case that additional funding to RTE will be dependent on a series of agreed reforms. Uh, nobody can be under any doubt now that there's reform required at every level uh, of uh, of RTE. So it may very well be dependent, I would imagine, uh, and conditional on introducing a series of reforms that to make the place more accountable, more transparent and fairer. Okay, we'll leave it there for the moment. Thank you indeed. We'll have much discussion, I'm sure, about the budget over the course of uh, the next couple of months. Uh, but the haggling is now underway. I think the discussion started some time ago, but the haggling is now underway. Thanks for coming into us. Uh, that is Labour's spokesperson on finance, Jed Nash, who's a TD for Louth and Eastmeath. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, a lot of people are in touch with us uh, about uh, many issues, but let me just bring you one comment uh, about uh, the terrible freak weather in Drogheda yesterday. Uh, God love uh, the poor workers in Marks and Spencers. Uh, this is from John Conlon in Bally McKenney. He says uh, there could well be a sale next week. Very wet, damaged goods, clothing still wet. The only thing that won't be on sale is swimwear and umbrellas. Thanks, uh, John. I think a lot of uh, the goods after what we saw on the internet, uh, the videos from inside the store yesterday uh, must be destroyed and the bill is bound to be very, very hefty. Uh, and following on from what we heard this morning uh, with uh, Jed Nash telling us uh, that there's been leaks in the roof for some time, I don't see any prospect of uh, the shop opening any time in the near future for fear of a repeat of that, not until the roof is repaired. Uh, and I'm sure that everybody is sending best wishes uh, to the workers uh, and hope uh, that all of that will happen very, very soon indeed. We got an insight into how the €1 million plus Euro slush fund has been used by RTE top executives. 110000 for Japan Rugby World Cup to Tokyo. 138000 for 10 years of IRFU tickets. 26000 for the Champion League final tickets. Buses to, U, buses to U2 concerts to go a few hundred yards from a posh restaurant to Crow Park. And, of course, trips to the K Club and Golf Mountains with all of the trimmings. That's Brian Stanley. He's the chair of uh, the Public Accounts Committee, a Sinn Féin TD, who was speaking in the Dáil yesterday. Uh, there was a, a lot said in uh, the Dáil yesterday about RTE. And we'll hear uh, some more TDs uh, over the course of uh, the next few minutes. Tina in touch with us, though. Let's hear from Tina. She says that people face thousands in fines if they refuse or fail to pay their TV licence. Uh, and she says that anyone she's been talking to has been saying that they're not going to pay their licence fee going forward. So what will the powers that be do if that actually comes to fruition? Are they really going to prosecute people for taking a stand against a money-grabbing business intent on feathering the nest of a chosen few? There's no way they can imprison everyone who refuses to pay the licence fee. The prisons in this country are already overcrowded. Thank you indeed. Tina Anthony thinks that the salaries in RTE should most definitely be capped going forward. The rates of pay for some staff members is disgusting and can't be allowed to continue. He says he reserves all sympathy 
for the behind-the-scenes staff who are responsible for making the big stars sound and look good and who must be reeling from what they're hearing from management. They don't deserve any of the nastiness and bile that is being thrown their way. It is disappointing to think of how little of what hap- has happened and who is responsible has actually been unearthed at this stage. Although it is fair to say that what has been exposed at both the Media Committee and the Public Accounts Committee has been absolutely shocking, uh, to say the least. And if I had a, a euro for every person over the course of the weekend that told me that they will not pay their TV licence on foot of what has actually happened, I would be a very wealthy person and probably be able to fund RTE into the future. So that is how much damage has actually been done in terms of public confidence in the national uh, broadcaster. There you go, Tina. You're not the only one hearing from people who are saying they're not going to pay their licence fee. That was Sinn Féin's John Brady who added this. The Chief Financial Officer Richard Collins stated in his evidence that it was his view that the taxpayer was defrauded. This leaves the potential for a full Garda investigation into allegations of fraud at RTE, which could end up running parallel to the two reviews which the Minister has announced. Dee Forbes, Ryan Tuberty need to come before the Public Accounts Committee. John Brady. Now, Shane has been on the phone today as well, and Shane says, enough is enough. Enough of these Oroctus hearings. It's time to call a halt to these shenanigans and do what needs to be done. Bring the guards in to investigate this mess. Recent days have made it glaringly obvious that management at RTE cannot be trusted to be transparent in the declarations that they're making to the Dáil hearing. So maybe the threat of a criminal investigation might be what's needed to make them be truthful and upfront. Thank you, Shane. I'm sure you were interested to hear that last clip that we played. The family support worker, I had to support a very sick woman, a mother of five children in court, whose finances were below the poverty line. I stood in the court in the old Richmond hospital and saw this mother absolutely terrified that she'd get a massive fine or worse, go to jail for non-payment of that fine. In fairness to the judge, he actually saw that this woman was in very poor health and didn't impose any fines on her. I look at it now and I see the money that was used to wine and dine its clients, to pay its talent such unbelievable salaries, and in one case, payment through the barter account uh, of several hundred thousand euro. Yeah, that's uh, for the fall TD, Paul Donnelly. Now, Anne has been on the phone. She says, did I hear Michael correctly or is there something wrong with my hearing? Did he actually suggest increasing funding to RTE? I did, Anne. Uh, I mean, how are they supposed to come up with these huge salaries if they don't have the money to pay for it? And where are they going to get the money if they don't get it from you? 160 euro. Uh, I mean, you're forgetting they have to pay for an orchestra. Or is it two orchestras they have? I think they have two orchestras. It's one of the reasons that we're always told we need the licence fee to go to RTA to pay for the orchestras. Uh, Apart from the salaries. There's 100 people uh, on 100,000 euro and more. Uh, 117,000, I think, is uh, the lowest paid out of uh, those 100 people. But do you know there's 1,800 people working in RTE? Uh, How are they supposed to survive on less than that? Um, Anne says, are you having a laugh, Michael? I guess I am, Anne. 
after what we heard about the mismanagement of the state broadcaster in recent weeks all state funding she says should be stopped immediately as the bosses there cannot be trusted to spend it correctly. Uh, I think if we look at the NUJ position as outlined in their emergency motion today, they point out that the se- one of the one uh, consequence of the secret payments were that they were kept secret by the Director General, fr- it appears, or certainly by the organisation, from the trade union group. And therefore that the unions within RTE were negotiating in good faith with management over years it seems, despite the existence of secret undisclosed payments negotiated with a third party agency for someone already highly paid. And that clearly undermines trust in industrial relations machinery generally because the unions were negotiating on the basis of financial documents, financial information with which they'd been supplied that we now know was not accurate. Not accurate indeed. A lie, uh, as it turned out. And you can understand why the unions and the workers they represent are annoyed. Uh, These are the people who aren't earning the 100,000. And and maybe we should increase the licence fee. Uh, I I, I jest, of course. Uh, But that there was uh, the leader of uh, the Labour Party, Ivana Bakic. There were a lot more statements in the doll. We tried to hear some more of them before we finish up today. But uh, we'd like to hear from you. If you'd like to make comment, uh, please... Please call us or text us, email us, whichever is handiest for you, straight away. Uh, and we'll try to come to as many comments as we can before 11 o'clock today. Our telephone number is 041-983-2000. You can text or WhatsApp 086-1800-658. Email michael at lmfm.ie. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Thanks uh, to uh, the caller who's uh, sent us uh, a WhatsApp uh, to say, Michael, not a word about the huge salary Miriam o- O'Callaghan is receiving. At least the pay of 10 nurses, 10 nurses' salaries for one year being paid to one RTE, sal- uh, one RTE star. Um, interesting, uh, Angela, that uh, you call it Miriam O'Callaghan's salary. Uh, which is 263,000, is it? Something like that. Um, She was to get 320, uh, or she did in uh, 2019, but she's getting 263,500 now, I think, uh, if that's right. Um, It's not actually a salary. It's a payment for work done because Miriam O'Callaghan doesn't work for RTE. It's the oddest thing. I, I know it sounds mad, uh, but uh, she's not an employee. She's a contractor. And she has her own company, and she employs people in that company. Uh, and when RTE pay her uh, that huge amount of money, 263500 uh, she has to pay her staff, uh, and um, she has to pay, I'm sure, for equipment for them and training for them and all that sort of thing. Uh, And, uh, of course, uh, the summer holidays uh, are a time uh, when a lot of RTE stars uh, take leave. So I take it there's an opportunity to earn more money there as well. I don't know. I don't really know too much about the workings of RTE, uh, but I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying uh, Miriam O'Callaghan does not work for RTE. Uh, She does work for RTE, that is, that she does work uh, for RTE, uh, but she doesn't work for them, if you understand what I mean. Anyway, uh, that's one of uh, the peculiarities uh, that uh, some of these investigations will be looking at. And, you know, I've seen it myself. I had one particular lady rang me and she's on her old age pension and she said to me, 
you know, like she said, she has family members that, you know, that are now going back to school, her grandchildren, they're struggling. And she said, Jennifer, we all struggle now to pay our TV licenses, particularly the young, you know, the people that have families and outgoing, they have mortgages and everything. And they said, you know, as a granny, she said to me, I find it very hard when I hear these stories. And, you know, we do need to get trust back. We do need to, according to Jennifer Murnane O'Connor of Fianna Fall. By the way, you can phone us 0419832000, text or WhatsApp 0861800658. Now, to go back to the valuable work being done by PSC, it was like extracting teeth listening to that committee meeting. And that shows you how deep the culture is in RTE, avoiding all of the questions. The transparency that all of us are asking for is being deprived from those hearings. It's not present. And that tells me that there is a huge issue beyond just this. You can look at Ryan Tuberty or any of the rest of them. What we should be looking at is who did the deal and what happened on the RTE side. That's our job here. Corruption starts at the top. And we need to look at the possibilities of all of that right down through uh, the organisation. Now, that's uh, Fidafall TD, John McGuinness, who himself was at one time uh, the chair of the Oireachtas Public Accounts Committee. Uh, We'd uh, a text um, from... Uh, Paddy Duffy, who says, I see RTE as a reflection of Irish society. Those at the top of the heap living off the gravy train, those in the middle are doing maybe just OK or not. Uh, and of course, those at the bottom living hand to mouth. Uh, a reflection of Irish society, Paddy says. There's nothing new about that. Uh, and thank you, as always, uh, for your message, Paddy. Mick and Kel says, all we can do now is wait, Michael, and Leo will sort RTE out. Thanks indeed uh, for that. Uh, Navin listener says, Michael, it's an absolute disgrace. And Sharon and Navin was right. Uh, when she texted in earlier on. They jumped on the bandwagon during COVID and it still repeats. And it still repeats. And it still repeats. And what's not is absolute crap. And who made these people stars? Sheriff chancers. The whole country shouldn't pay them uh, a licence when nobody actually watches RTE when there's so many great programmes on BBC and the other stations. As I say, that comes to us from a Navin listener. I think we also need to look at what the... the what the public service broadcaster does. Because I think when we look around at other jurisdictions, we see public service broadcasters do so much more than simply run television stations. They do a lot more in terms of using their website, in terms of uh, their archives, in terms of reaching out to underserved communities, in terms of promoting local culture, in terms of promoting creativity. And, you know, I I think RTE is not doing anywhere near enough of this. And perhaps if they spent more time trying to do that instead of arrange uh, um, curious contracts and barter accounts, they'd be doing a damn sight better. So again, I think what needs to come out of this review is a renewal of that public service. And as I say, uh, uh, one of the aspects, of course, is the archive. And Minister, I would remind you, of course, of my own bill that I brought to the House in relation to opening up the archive. And when I did, when I introduced that here, and when I, I, I made the point that RTE have come cap in hand to this place time and time again, 
looking for us to, to support them because of their public service remit. But I think it's important that we ask them, what are RTE doing for that public service remit? We've seen in recent weeks they've done nothing, but I think, or very little certainly. In fact, they're working against the public service. And uh, so again, I think that we need to demand more of them. All right, uh, that's Green Party TD, Patrick Costello. I remember going to a star-studded concert in the Royal Albert Hall uh, the ticket cost £17. Uh, the reason it was so cheap, £17 in the Royal Albert Hall Star Studded concert, uh, was that it was a BBC concert and the tickets were subsidised by the BBC through the licence fee. And of course, the BBC doesn't enjoy any advertising. I think that's a public service. This all comes down to trust. And anybody that you've spoken to in the last number of days will tell you about their absolute lack of trust in relation to RTE. In fairness, most of them talk about the fact that they feel absolutely sickened in relation to what happened. But I couldn't say that they're shocked. That's, that's half the problem. Look, we all know, know the issue that has existed for a long period of time in relation to certain uh, of uh, the big players in RTE who are paid a huge amount of, of money. Um, and, and I suppose RTE, to a degree, put its hands up last week. Now, it took a fair bit of, uh, I suppose, arms twisting before these hands went up in relation to the fact that at times they are actually bidding against themselves. Indeed. <laughs> and it's big money they're bidding. Uh, that's uh, local Sinn Féin TD, Rory Murakou. Thanks to Grace texting us uh, this morning. She says, even though I- I'm bored with the whole thing, I to uh, text you saying, my ex was in court over the licence fee. He told the judge RTE had sold partial rights to Sky. The judge suggested he get a solicitor. He refused when the judge asked him why he simply refused to pay. He said, look, judge, if you go in and get a coffee, will you pay for two? She fined him uh, and he he told her he wouldn't be paying. So he requested uh, the guards give him notice of the day that he'd be going to the Joy, Mount Joy. Uh, and they did. And he went to the station after organising childcare. He had his lunch in jail, got his bus fare home. He had a great day out on the taxpayer. Uh, the country is a joke. Anyone, anyway, for anyone not paying the licence fee, they can be assured that, reassured that they'll have a, a nice day out in Dublin. Thank you, Grace. One of the more astonishing pieces of information, according to the interim chair, Deputy DJ Adrian Lynch, was that RTE underwrote the commercial deal with Reynolds by means of a verbal agreement with D Forbes. That was never put in writing, which is extraordinary given there was a potential exposure of 75,000 per year over the course of a five-year term for RTE. 150,000 payments to Ryan Tuberty were put through the Bart account with anonymised invoices which stated commercial fees. On Wednesday, the commercial director, Geraldine O'Leary, says she can't remember why it was framed that way. On Thursday, it was... Um, on Thursday, Shuna Rackley then decided to describe it as being deception. I would describe it as fraud. And those... Those sums matter. That bus that took the RTE clients from Juncondre down to Crow Park, which would have turned left on the North Circle Road, had it have turned right, it would have went up to the Docus prison. Right now, working class women who faced up to several hours or a day in prison for not paying the 160 fee fine. So those matter. Those sums matter to people. Minister, I also find your own lack of curiosity to be worth questioning further. You've 13 days into the affair, the chair of the RTE board revealed that um, D Forbes was asked to resign on day one and admitted not telling you about it during your own crisis meeting that took place on day nine, I believe you weren't instructed. 
Minister, I am also conscious that you became aware that there was an issue in March. There you go. And that's uh, Gary Gannon of uh, the Social Democrats. Uh, there are some more comments then. Uh, somebody asking about Eddie Caffrey, uh, oddly enough, um, wondering what uh, the story is uh, that Eddie Caffrey is nowhere to be seen. Uh, should the government be looking into Eddie Caffrey's finances? Uh, I, I, I don't think Eddie Caffrey uh, would get out of bed for the money that they offer in RTE. <laughs> I'm sure Eddie would agree with that. Chrissy is in all. He says, I, I wouldn't say RTE are the only people hiding secrets secrets, the big charities, uh, and their CEO should be investigated uh, over enormous salaries. Uh, Claire and Mead says, Michael, if I took all that money and passed it on, I would be arrested. Uh, these people should be sacked. Uh, she says, white-collared workers uh, seem to get away with this stuff, uh, and it's always the way. Thank you indeed uh, for that as well, Claire. Uh, and all of this is not a word of GAA. Go! Still not a word of GAA go. Let's try that again. With the role that RT developed over the years, they got, became a, pu- a, a very powerful um, organisation. They became a very powerful trust within society. And no more so than in the last number of weeks earlier this year, when there was uh, debates and commentary by members of the House of Directors and others in relation to GA Go and in relation to having put our national games uh, beyond a paywall. Uh, I think that that really was uh, a moment when we should have seized and said, right, there's something fundamentally wrong here that is no longer for the betterment of our society or the betterment of of the general public. And um, I would have to say that the whole development of GA Go and putting the, our national games beyond the ordinary citizen who were already paying their television licence, that showed to me, going back a number of weeks ago, that there was something fundamentally wrong. That's Michael Moynihan who brings our programme to its conclusion. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning, bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie.